This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios in South Central Alaska, USA. Live and local, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday, right here on KVNT, 1020 a.m. and 92.5 FM. Your best source for morning news, traffic, and weather. Streaming live online at TomAndersonShow.com. Phone lines are open. Dial 907-357-5868. That's 357-5868. Politics and news from a guy who's made it happen. Your morning drive just got a whole lot better. Good morning, America. Here's Tom Anderson. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy, happy Thursday, June 10th. Delighted to have you with us. Tom Steigelman and I are in the studio. We are excited. Tom, I read something in the big think that was alarming. What's that? Has to do with space. So back in 1977, Voyager 1 was launched, my friend, and that was quite a long time ago. That was 23 plus 2144 years ago, almost our age. Right. And as it moves, it goes about a million miles a day, Voyager 1. And the bad news is, if you think about the solar system and the periphery of it, the Kuiper belt, then the periphery of that, the Oort cloud, thereafter, we're looking at Alpha Centauri, we're looking at getting into those other star systems and planets. Mm -hmm. The Voyager 1, I read this morning, at a million miles a day, is 300 years from getting to the inner beginning of the Oort cloud. Wow. So it's just going to take forever, dude. <laughs> so is. it's like, I hope that we can speed up yeah. our space exploration. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm Because a million miles a day is too slow, Voyager 1. Yeah, I'm just telling you, I'm glad Captain Kirk and the Enterprise found it eventually. <laughs> so <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah V'ger. That's right. Oh, man. So And back on Earth, I tell you. As you're driving this morning, Thursdays are my favorite days other than, of course, the weekend because it's we're so close to the weekend and deciding what to do. By the way, I'll get into uh, – there was a movie we watched that we were excited about, and I'll tell you how much of a fizzle that was. I'll mention it to Adam <laughs> Holtz, too. I'll tell you that later. But That's the life story of Tom Steinberg. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. It's not just Alka-Seltzer fizzling. Yeah. But I do want to get into, and we can begin it now, folks, inflation surging, people using credit cards, COVID. We talked about the fact that the $300 a week getting cut in most Republican states, a lot of things happening economically. So we'll begin with a four-minute clip. We can't get it all. We'll stop it and come back next segment. Inflation surging, the price of, of things expensive, they tell you why. New and used cars are getting more expensive. So is the gasoline that powers them. And when you pull up to a drive-thru, you can expect to pay, yes, more for your burger or burrito. Prices are climbing for all kinds of things as the U.S. rebounds from the pandemic recession. But so far, sticker shock is not stopping buyers, as NPR's Scott Horsley reports. John McConnell is shopping for a new four-wheel drive truck. He's been driving a two-year-old Nissan Altima, but he and his wife want something more in keeping with their outdoor lifestyle in Colorado Springs. We want something that we can kind of stretch our wings with and maybe do a little bit of camping and a little bit more of the outdoor activities with. 
you know, a little Nissan's not going to cut it on a lot of the roads around here during the winter. McConnell's heard about the computer chip shortage plaguing automakers, so he expected some challenges finding a truck, but he was still surprised by the prices advertised for a new Toyota Tacoma, thousands of dollars over the sticker. Still, he and his wife have kept working during the pandemic, so they're not turned off by the high price. I'm not going through a midlife crisis. I just kind of have an itch for this, if that makes sense. I'm willing to pay a little bit more right now, I guess because right now I can't afford to. And that, in a nutshell, is what's driving higher inflation in the U.S. Strong demand, after a year of being cooped up during the pandemic, limited supply due to shortages of key components like computer chips, and plenty of money to go around. It just won't stop. People have money in their pocket, and it is not a price-sensitive economy right now in the least. That's billionaire investor Warren Buffett at his company Berkshire Hathaway's annual meeting last month. The company sells everything from seized candies to manufactured houses, and it's dealing with prices for steel, timber, and oil-based products that are all higher than anyone imagined just six months ago. It's an economy really... It's red hot. We'll get the latest temperature check on inflation when the Labor Department releases the Consumer Price Index for May. Prices in April were up 4.2% from a year ago when much of the economy was shut down by the pandemic. Rising prices are a hardship for some people. Justin Bergen's work as an art installer pretty much dried up last year. He's been scraping by selling his own paintings. The single father in Baraboo, Wisconsin, pays particular attention to prices at the grocery store. Feeding three children isn't an easy task on a budget to begin with, but now that the prices are going up, I find it's even harder to get a full grocery cart. There you go, and you can freeze that. We'll come back to it, Tom, when we come back to the next segment, but I think there's a balance. I'm going to interject that I know a lot of people that are doing quite well. Their businesses sustained through the pandemic, if anything, grew in income and revenue, and yeah, they're buying trucks because they made coin over the last year. Not everybody's hurting. You got to take this story in consideration of who they're interviewing. So we'll come right back. Folks, it's Thursday. If you want to join us, 357-5868. Remember online at TomAndersonShow.com. We'd love to hear from you. Good morning. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. 18 minutes after the hour. Little Prince, my friends. Tom Anderson Show, we're on Monday through Friday right here on KVNT. CBI Media owns KVNT, managed by Sir Thomas Steigelman, who's producing this week and next, while Rick Milliken is out on sabbatical from his pastoral job and gig at a church out here in the Valley. And they said, hey, you've been working your butt off for many years, Pastor Rick, Dr. Milliken, we'd like you to take six weeks and just not do work. And Tom Steigelman and I said, sounds good. You know, you can take a, a break and we will not bug you, nor have we. Right. I haven't called him at all. 
I think I sent him one text, uh, you know, right as he started, because I had a question in here. But other than that, left him alone. So hope he's getting recharged. Looking forward to having him back. You betcha. And, uh, raring and ready to go. And we're on 1020 AM. If you didn't know, AM station 1020 and 92.5 FM. And then you can go, you can like KVNT and Tom Anderson show on Facebook. You'll see a lot of breaking news. We have this podcast that Tom works with me on and we get notes and that up normally at the end of the day. And so if you go to TomAndersonShow.com, you can see a podcast window on your computer. It's right up in front on your cell phone. It's an inch down, but you'll see it. And then it just has all the shows. Tom produces them and gets them all perfect for me. I add in some notes from our dialogue and and clips like the NPR story we were just playing Mm -hmm. or the next one we'll play from Fox that Tom procured and grabbed, curated and got for us. Uh, We give you those links. So if you miss something, you're interested. But why don't we wrap up this NPR about inflation and the fact that people are still buying things like vehicles. Bergen says he's buying a lot more rice and pasta these days. He's also having to tell his children no more often. Both the Biden administration and the Federal Reserve argue the jump in inflation is likely to be temporary. Some prices, like airline fares, are just getting back to normal after a steep plunge during the pandemic. Others are the result of bottlenecks that should work themselves out as supply catches up to demand. The burrito chain Chipotle said this week it's raising menu prices to help cover its new $15 an hour wages. Officials don't believe that's the beginning of an upward spiral in prices and wages like the 1970s, but Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says she will be alert for that. We will watch this very carefully and try to address issues that arise if it turns out to be necessary. One could look at higher inflation as a sign the economy is healing after a very difficult year. Artist Justin Bergen says of all the shortages we've experienced during the pandemic, the lack of human connection was among the worst. As hard as it's been, he says, he felt enormous relief once he got vaccinated and was able to see friends once again. Oh, my God. Yeah, I went to an art opening and I saw a friend from grad school and we gave each other a hug and I just felt like this wave of joy wash over me like, wow, another adult, another person who's going through stuff. And we're here at the same time. It's just wild. That's a priceless feeling that won't show up in the Consumer Price Index. Yeah, we're going to see. That's NPR, and you can get the clip on our podcast notes. But before we get into the backlog in Alaska, court system-wise, that's going to be later today. We also have a clip from Fox News about credit card use. I mean, there's a lot of things that pandemic bottlenecked, whether it's economy or state government services. I know with Lila, immigration, you know, she's going through the process. A couple of years from now, she'll take her citizenship test. But, you know, whether it's getting her temporary driver's license or for my kid who's now 15, was 14, all that stuff, you got to make appointments to get into immigration mm-hmm. or to go to DMV or student loan or PFT, all that stuff. It's, it's You know, it, it definitely delayed everything, whether you made money or not. Now, Fox News talks about how we spend. And, Tom, what's the well, key? The, the gist of it is what? The gist of it is, uh, you know, people are getting ready to uh, take on debt again. You know, so that's what uh, they're going to be reporting on here in uh, just a couple of seconds. But, you know, as we uh, jump back to that NPR piece real quick, you know, they're talking about the inflation, uh, how it's going up. But, you know, one of the key things that, you know, I caught in there, and I think this is going to probably become a talking point of saying, well, it's not really inflation because they were talking about how prices are just getting back to normal, you know, after the lulls, like in the airline tickets. Sure. So I'm sure they're going to spin that as, well, it's not really inflation. We're just getting back to where we were. 
Yeah. So uh, you, I'm going to need another second here to get this. You may be right. Yeah, we, with our Fox clips, we got to get them rotated in. And sometimes they have ads and other things that delay the start of it. But no, that's you're, you're right. And and some of it's just getting catch up. It's not tied to inflation. But then what about credit cards and spending and consumer habits and such? Fox News covers that one here. Study out this week says that American adults are willing to take on debt for discretionary purchases in the second half of 2021. You're expecting a spending spike second half of the year? That's right. We found 44 percent of U.S. adults say that they're willing to take on debt for discretionary purchases in the second half of the year. And what surprised me is that it's not just services like travel and dining. We knew those were going to surge. What we didn't realize, though, was that the spending on goods would continue. Lots of people are still planning home renovations, car purchases, furniture, electronics. I really thought those trends would have been more played out at this point, and that demand was pulled forward. But it's not really shifting from goods to services. It's goods and services, which could be good for the economy, but maybe bad for your credit card balance. Yeah, Jackie, jump in here because we talk about record low interest rates uh, a lot on this program, but it certainly does not apply to credit cards. Yeah, no, it doesn't. And that's um, actually a really interesting point because obviously uh, the consumers were paying down their debt. They were had those high interest rates. Um, but Ted, now they've paid down this debt. Maybe presumably they're even saving more. Some of the data shows that they were, um, but they're getting nothing for putting their money in the bank. So are they just sort of holding on to this cash right now? And maybe that's why the discretionary purchases go up. Are they investing it in the stock market? What are they doing with it? I would like to see this pent-up demand come out of savings because you're right. The personal saving rate hit a record last year. Lots of people are actually oddly in better shape financially now than they were pre-pandemic. But what surprises me is that people aren't just spending down their savings. They're going beyond that. And so many people are telling us they're willing to take on credit card debt. That's expensive. The average is over 16% and could be headed even higher. Yeah, there you go. So that means, in a nutshell, people are willing to take on debt. Either they have money to pay it off or they don't care anymore because everything's been closed long enough. They're like, you know what? Screw it. This week, we don't have the money for a movie. We'll use our credit card because, Tom, my family and I are going to get out of the house and right. have fun. And I don't care if it's 150 bucks. My credit card limit's 5000 And it's low you know, debt right now. And, and over the pandemic, we hunkered down. We're going out and partying, popcorn and hot dogs for everybody. That's what I see people doing. We're buying a bed. We're buying a car. We're buying a new phone. I don't care. I'll put it on credit and I'll deal later. I think that's what a lot of people are thinking. May not be wise or prudent, but that, that's what I think. They're thinking. Yeah, because I think they've created a lot of room on those credit cards because, you know, those stimulus checks and everything were coming in. I mean, I know a lot of people, uh, you know, that just took that and they just plowed it into debt, yeah. you know, and paid everything down. Yeah. So now they've got the room again. You know, to start spending. I just encourage those people to pay those credit cards off at the end of the month. You know, do it wisely so you don't find yourself in the same situation. It's true because that can really add up. And with interest and everything else in the in the immediate front of your face moment, it's not so big of a deal. But extrapolate it out later down the line. The domino effect is month after month of interest. You don't even really see it. But I mean, it adds up or you'll never get out of it for a long time. Unless you have a business like mine where you have heydays, slow days, heydays, slow days, you know, like this station, this, this radio show. I haven't tried to get an ad in a year. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, they come to me. We have a couple new ones coming. Denali Healthcare Specialist, Sleep Centers, uh, uh, Capstone Eye Clinic called me. We just had the album. Well, they called us. And so, we'll, but I don't sell my show. I don't, I mean, meaning I'll sell you an ad. I, but but my point is, though, that I, uh, I haven't, in the business sector, whether you're a plumber or a lawn and maintenance guy or gal, there are heydays where if right. I really worked hard and sold more ads, I'd have extra money. And I could pay off debt. Sure. I just haven't because I have a day job and you know how it is. Yeah. Did you slip in there? Capstone has an eye clinic. Yeah. And it, it, Capstone Eye Center okay. wants to wants me to basically do an ad. Uh, I pitched it, but to promote them. And they're in the Capstone Wasilla Center. They've got two optometrists. Okay. Uh, and they've got Craig Chapman, one of the owners, an optician. And they're very good. And they have a huge eyewear collection and they do everything from from uh, uh you know um the the glassware to contact lenses and then they have two licensed long tenured ones military optometrists gotcha. and then if there's surgical stuff cataracts glaucoma they can send you to their ophthalmology uh, uh connections so right. that, that's where i would go and if you don't believe it try to book with some of these eye care centers good mm-hmm. for them there's some good ones out there but they're booked and and Capstone, when I called them last year, they were like, we're booked two months out. Now they're like, no, 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 we're taken. Any yeah. of you that love Capstone, now there's the eye, eye clinic and they're taking new patients right. because they have a new doctor. So that's cool. Yeah, that's a great deal. Yeah, I'm happy for them. And we'll get into that information here. In fact, I have an ad in my email from a gentleman out of state. And we're going to get that produced and probably on air beginning of next week. So phone lines are open, my friends, 357-5868. Bill Stoltz asked me, former Senator Bill Stoltz said, hey, I'd like to get our folks from the Chinooks on intermittently. And I said, absolutely. And he said, awesome. And so he wrote to me and said, when would you like to have someone on? And I said, how about 745 on Thursdays? So today, Chinooks field manager, John, I think it's Groth or Growth, Growth. He just said how to pronounce it. We'll be calling to talk about the team and the season. That's today in another 15 minutes. Very nice. Yeah, that'll be fun. Stay with us, my friends. Happy Thursday. Tom Anderson Show. is the Tom Anderson Show. Broadcasting live from the KVNT studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. Oh, a little in excess, correct, Tom? You are right. Oh, man. Did, he had a sad demise, but very cool band when he was alive and kicking. I don't remember how he died. A David Carradine mm-hmm. moment. Oh, okay. Romancing the yeah. stone with yeah. a noose. 
gotcha. <laughs> That's what I recall. So, okay, <laughs> Thomas, like, oh, wow. thank you. Let me wash away yeah. that memory. <laughs> yeah, man, and I may be wrong on that. Sorry if I am, but I don't think so. But listen, we want to talk about the court system now. We talked about purchasing and credit cards and economy and did the pandemic really decimate people's consumer motives or not? I don't know. It's hard to say what the cause and root is. You know, government, I think, control and bad judgment, particularly in Anchorage, didn't help matters here in Alaska. But beyond that, there was a not just a trickle effect, a domino effect. On the court system and trials stopped, right. cases were paused. Now trials are back in play, but you were able to find from Alaska's news source reporting locally what's happening in the Alaska court system. A great story. Yep, we'll take a listen to it right now. But for judges and courthouse staff, getting back to normal could take several more months. As our crime and courts reporter Daniela Rivera explains now, jury trials are starting to resume, but there is a serious backlog to work through. Well, that's right. The pandemic did not bring the court system to a grinding halt, but it certainly slowed things down. We've been looking into the backlog and asking just how long it could take to get caught up. For many months, court proceedings happened with most people participating remotely instead of inside Alaska's courtroom walls. Courts will be able to resolve this backlog. But Alaska Supreme Court Chief Justice Joel Bolger suspended jury trials due to the number of people compelled to be present. It is very concerning that we had to delay jury trials for this long, but it was only because of the absolute necessity of a global pandemic. That we did so. Under his latest order on trials, misdemeanor trials could resume on April 19th. B and C level felony trials at the beginning of this month. And trials for the most complex cases generally remain suspended until July 6th. To help us understand the backlog, the court system provided some data on unresolved felony cases. On May 1st, 2019, there were 3,322 pending Superior Court felony cases statewide. Compare that to the same date this year. The number grows to 4,317. That's roughly a 30% increase. I think that's the best estimate of the backlog, and that's what I rely on when I tell you I think it's something that can be easily resolved. The courts could get caught up in a matter of months, he says, but Anchorage DA Brittany Dunlop estimates it could take longer in her district. I would guess reasonably a year for trials. Um, already trials were behind what I'm comfortable with. It takes a long time to get a felony case to trial in Anchorage. Dunlop says stopping jury trials means plea deals slow down too. And that's how the majority of cases in Alaska are resolved. And without the possibility of trial, there's not an incentive for people to plea. The trial backlog is a real thing, but it's only a tip of the iceberg. I would expect that for every case we try, at least a dozen cases will settle. That's a, litigator. a backlogged court system has far-reaching impacts. Feels super unfair to victims and witnesses and probably defendants as well to have cases sit without being heard. For anyone who's still waiting for justice. Dunlop said here in Anchorage, she's also concerned about a grand jury backlog. She said she has hundreds of cases that are charged but not indicted. Meanwhile, some defendants are litigating how these restrictions impacted their constitutional right to a speedy trial. Oh, boy. Well, welcome to post-pandemic, or at least that's the excuse, clusters 
and delays and gridlock as those things open up from whatever you want to label it as a bottleneck. I wouldn't want to be in the system, would you? Would you want to be a defendant stuck in jail, stuck in the interim, and then it's like, hey, sorry, we can't get to a trial. Can I have home confinement? No. Oh, man. Right. The only good thing would be, let's say it was a lower-level drug offense and you were going to get a couple-year sentence in the state system and you've been in for 18 months, you'd you'd go through settlement and then you'd be done. Yeah. You'd be on parole or supervised release. You know what I mean? You'd be right. a, that that may be good. I mean, versus having to do more time. Yeah, exactly. Because I'll count that time. Exactly. You know, between the trials. So no, but, I wouldn't enjoy that. And and we're seeing this. Where else are you seeing these delays in government? In government? Anything that's affected you, like property tax issue. You got to get a title. Going down mm-hmm. to change a title for your vehicle. Where else have you said, man, that maybe FCC with transmissions, where has it been where you're yeah. like, oh, this slowed up this year? Yeah, there has been some backlogs with FCC licenses. I've seen that, um, you know, tax wise and everything. Oh, no, they're they're on top of it to get the money. <laughs> I haven't seen any delays there. They're, and they're, and you even know, though they gave us an extra month, no one said, hey, if you don't pay on time, no worries. Right. right. Your point is, no, they're moving. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, you know, we've talked about it before, but the DMV. Uh, actually, I think that's actually running smoother. You know what? You read my mind. Yeah. I was about to say having <laughs> organized where you have to make appointments is smoother right. than having a line. I hope they do that forever. Yeah. But, uh, I, I hope they do. What I do not like about it is you have to, you can only have one transaction, uh, is the way it's set up. So if you want to, you know, if you have two titles to two cars that you're doing, you you know, they're asking you to set two appointments to do that. I remember when Lila and I and son Grayson went and they both got their driver's permits last summer. Uh-huh. And we went, we had to wait and wait and wait in Palmer. And there was a lady with about eight documents. We didn't know that rule. But when she left, they said, yeah, she booked. She she's, she booked like an hour and right. we got her done in like 28 minutes. But she said, they said, we booked her right and for for all those for all appointments. The appointments. And, and we were like, oh, so that's when I found out you have to book for each each transaction. Right. So yeah, hopefully, you know, that they'll continue to do it like that, that you can, you know, just schedule your appointments and go in. And if you have to do two or three, like this lady did to book an hour to, you know, get your five items done or whatever it is. Yeah. I hope they let you do that too. Yeah. Me too. Another place where you and I don't have, well, I do, but, but one, but not in this district, not in Anchorage, but you and I didn't have to suffer the school district. That's one where right. people listening are like, um, I'm a grandparent. I'm a parent. I watch my kids. I have my kids. I bring my kids to school. There was no school. So we had to readjust everything for our kids to be at home with, mm-hmm. quote, homeschooling and Zoom schooling. That was the biggest change, in my opinion. Yeah, restaurants closing for your career, it doesn't get any bigger than that. Yeah. Right. Because I mean, although we got subsidized, if those folks in the restaurant industry, hospitality industry couldn't work, they got some uh, relief financially, but for the schools, imagine that you got two or three or four kids. I'm sure at ABT where you attend, uh, you heard those circumstances and they're like, yeah, no school. We're closed this semester. Do it by computer. And it's like, wait, I've got to go to work. Yeah, exactly. I can't do Let's say you're yeah, a nurse I can't, at I can't Providence. Leave my six-year-old at and, home. Yeah. Right. So, oh Lord, that's the biggie beyond like a restaurant closure. I don't know how they... Survive. Yeah. That would be interesting to talk talk to. I I should get 
I have a few friends that are too shy to call in, but that have kids in school that there would be an interesting dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To see how they had to readjust everything. And, uh, you know, thankfully they were able to work from home a lot of people. Uh, but I'm sure there were some out there that, you know, they had to make other arrangements, give up jobs probably. Did you know people that said, Hey, uh, my, my employer said I could work from home. Let's say they worked, they were a manager and did accounting for a plumbing company. And the plumber mm-hmm. said, you can work from home. And watch your kids. I bet there was a concession made like that consistently. Otherwise, you lose the employee and worse. Yeah, exactly. And it's, uh, you know, every employer has to make that decision. You know, is that person, you know, how valuable are they? Are they worth keeping? And in most cases, it's, yeah, they want to keep their employees. Another one I just thought of, Mm -hmm. our UPS store in Meadow Lakes, and there's one in Palmer, there's one in Wasilla, loaded, Tom. Jam-packed. Everybody was ordering on Amazon. Oh, right. I can't go out. I'll order. Well, someone has to process that. Someone has to box, you know, get the box, label it. If you're, if you have a UPS store or a post office box that then all their receptacles are filled. Could you imagine them? Yeah. I bet they were working their butts off over the last year oh, in yeah. mail service industry. Yeah, I know. Uh, Private just, and public. Just for our own family, uh, between my boys and my wife. Uh, yeah. The volume of packages in our house skyrocketed this summer. It was crazy. Yeah, I bet. And imagine someone has to process all that. Hey, well, when we come back, John Groth, the field manager for the Chinooks baseball team, is going to be calling in, set up by Bill Stoltz, who's an avid supporter and and part of the the volunteer management of Chinooks. And so that'll be interesting to hear what's up. He's been around, Bill told me, since 2012 as team manager, so that'll be neat to get some historical insight. That's next up, our last segment of the first hour, this Thursday morning, Tom Anderson Show. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT Studios, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. 38 minutes after the hour, with us now, John Groth from the Chinooks baseball team, Alaska League, and happy to have him join us. Bill Stoltz set this up. We're going to try to do a, a Thursday weekly overview with folks from the team John, it looks like you've been the team manager there, Bill said, since to, the, you guys started back in 2012, and you're the, the, as they say, field manager. How goes it this morning? Thanks for joining us. Good morning. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, we're uh, we're off to a nice start this season, and uh, it's another good group of guys uh, from all over the lower 48. How does it work so people understand the process, I mean, even when I was a, a younger man, I remember the pilots and the Bucks and the, you know, the Peninsula Oilers and the Miners, Chinooks came in later. Uh, th- th- those teams have been around forever. And I remember the claim to fame. I wasn't a baseball player, but I enjoyed watching. The claim to fame was at times they could be 
a funnel or a, a means to which getting some real big names. And I and I've heard a lot of uh, you know a feeder team to, to the pros. And I've I've heard a list of big names. Is that true? I know that's not your calling to try to make professional baseball players, but I'm sure it's a facet of it. Is that true that this league is pretty special and some literal all-stars come out of it? Absolutely. I mean, the latest of probably the big names has been Aaron Judge. and He's still doing pretty special things in the big leagues, but every team in the ABL has guys um, that have gone on to play professional baseball, many of them in the majors. So, this is, it's a chance for the Alaskan people to enjoy a really high level of college summer league baseball. These guys are playing high level college baseball in the spring season. And then in the summer, uh, they come up here and fine tune their skills, get ready for the next year at their colleges and universities. So absolutely, these guys all have dreams of playing in the major leagues. Uh, not all of them will make it that far, but uh, uh, many of them will make it into pro ball and a number of them will play in the majors. So uh, that's what's fun about the people here in Alaska get and watch some really good baseball. You look at the baseball teams across the nation, and I know you don't have the numbers right in front of you, but many high schools have baseball teams, not all, but many. And then, of course, there are certain states with the real, just like in football and basketball, with, with the standout teams. And then from from there, you have college teams, and you would know better than I, the universities with the real, no pun intended, heavy hitters for baseball. And then there's these these summer leagues and then the pros. And there's even semi-pros. When I was in law school in Minnesota, I remember the St. Paul Saints, I think they were called. And I was I knew they weren't professional baseball players. And I thought, are they like the Chinooks, or are they in between the Chinooks and the – sometimes it gets, it's confusing, but I knew they weren't pro, obviously – and so someone told me, well, that's a feeder into the pros as well. And so what what is the process when you're in college? Do you get recruited by the various leagues to say, hey, you know, you're playing baseball in Nebraska. Do you want to come up to Alaska? How does that work? Yeah, there's a number of, uh, I don't know, there's probably three dozen or more uh, collegiate leagues throughout the, the lower 48. And obviously the one here in Alaska and, yeah, there is a, a little bit of recruiting that goes on for these guys. Some of them want to stay close to home and play summer ball. And others of them want to get, you know, a unique experience like Alaska or Cape Cod up in the in northeast part of the country. So we are one of the top leagues in the nation. Um, and But, uh, yeah, there is a fair amount of recruiting that goes on. Usually there's a network of uh, college coaches uh, that talk to one another. They get to know each other. There's just like any other uh, – you know, area of life, there's a network of college coaches. You get sure. to know people over the years. You say, Hey, I need a catcher. I need a shortstop. I need some pitching. And you talk to one another and, and eventually you build a roster, you know, that can be as competitive as possible in the summer. But the, the summer ball leagues, you know, they're spread all over the U S and um, we just happen to be in, you know, a beautiful place called, uh, called Alaska. So it is competitive. There are coaches that recruit every year uh, kids to go to summer ball and uh, you know, that, the Alaska League is, is probably one of the top five in the, in the country. I figured it was based on what I've read and who the players are that are coming up here. Another big question is where do they stay? And my presumption is there are host families, but how does that work? Some kid in Minnesota says, hey, 
I'm, you know, I'm on the Minnesota Golden Gophers baseball team, and I love Alaska. I'm going to go up there. He applies. He gets accepted. Let's say you say, come on board, son. Come on up and play. Then how do you house him? Well, each team handles that different. And so the way we handle it, we have a host church called The Crossing there, uh, right there in uh, Chugiak, right here in Chugiak. And our, our host uh, families, not all of them come from that church, but uh, we're a faith-based team. And so as, uh, as uh, Pastor Brad Rood and his staff, they let the, the membership know, hey, we need host families for the Chinooks. And so we'll get a list of names of people who are interested in host families and then We'll just connect the dots between the players and the host families. And, you know, uh, at some point, not long before they come up, we'll match up kids uh, with host families. And so every organization does that a little bit different. I'm not sure how the miners or the bucks or the pilots or the, or the oilers do that, but I think they have a similar process. Um, but uh, that's usually how that works. Well, I love it. And I like the fact that it's faith-based and no doubt patriotic. And if Bill Stoltz is involved, you can guarantee that it's Alaska-centric and and the whole shebang. I I love also that people are stepping up to help because it's not like anybody's making money from it, right? I mean, in many respects, there may be salaries, but I mean, in the sense of people are doing this to volunteer to support the team. And I'm sure parents of those baseball players appreciate it. Yeah, no question about that. The families are making a great sacrifice. They're giving up part of their home. They're, we ask the host families to provide breakfast every day and a sack lunch. We provide them dinner meal after the games. Um, yeah, it's a huge sacrifice. But we, you know, they always uh, these are these are families that have huge hearts that want to give back to other people, and uh, they want to connect with some young men that. Uh, many of which have young uh, boys that are playing Little League or, or younger families that love to come out and watch the Chinooks, so they're, they're baseball fans already, most of them. But um, the other thing that, that is a commonality is just our, our faith in the Lord, and, and uh, they, they, want to, they want to be a part of that. They want to be a part of this young man getting better and growing in his faith, and um, most of our host families are, are walking with the Lord as well, and they want to see these young men come up. I can promise you, I played on – an Athletes in Action team four years ago, and I still stay in touch with the host families that I live with. So it's a special relationship. It's very endearing. I'm smiling at Tom Steigerman, who is, you know, I mean, Christian Broadcasting Incorporated, CBI Media owns the station, and I I work with Tom, and that makes me feel really good. And for all the stories we hear about sports and scandal and all the ding-dongy stuff out there. It's nice to have some good, you know, celebratory, thoughtful stories like this. I can only imagine the youngster who loves baseball, who has the dinner meeting with his parents, who's or the young lady, and you find out, hey, guess what? They're, you know, the Chinooks baseball team, of course, we love it. It's our favorite. We go every week. Well, we have a player that's going to be staying with us this summer. I would yeah. be so excited. Wouldn't you, Tom? Oh, yeah, I'd be kid. like, you oh, bet. my gosh. That would be amazing. So that's neat. And then real quick, and we'll get you back for sure. I can already tell you, you could have your own radio show with your with your talent and, and uh, ability to speak, John, but and communicate. So so this season, anything just to kind of plug, and then we'll get you back or to tease the folks out there, anything exciting beyond the fact that you're playing, we're post-pandemic, yada, yada, a- anything of note to leave the folks with for this interview? 
Well, I would just encourage folks that enjoy baseball and enjoy just a, a wholesome entertainment. Bring their family out to watch an ABL game. We're we got uh, we're at the Pilots tonight down in Anchorage. We're at Matt, uh, Matt Sue with the Miners tomorrow, doubleheader, and then we're at home Saturday. We've had great crowds so far, amazing crowds. I think the people are hungry to get back out and enjoy. We have free games at Loretta French. You don't have to pay. There's a park there. You can bring your dogs. I mean, it's a super laid-back environment at Loretta French where we play at Lee Jordan Field. So anyone that's uh, in the area, boy, we strongly encourage them. There's, we have, uh, I don't know, 20-plus more home dates at Loretta French. Uh, all the information's online at the ABL website. So I'd encourage people to get out and enjoy the game. we got these 21-hour days. You might as well get out and enjoy some baseball. Absolutely. And very last question. Bill has never asked for anything for the team, and, and you and I just met through this interview, but nor have you, anybody from the group. But real quick, how could someone donate? If someone said, you know, I like what John just said, I like that Bill brought this up. I like that Tom's interviewing them. I want to sponsor them or donate. Whether it's 50 bucks or $2,500 for something, yeah. who would they call? Well, Athletes in Action Baseball, is, is, if you just Google that, there's a website, and uh, Chris Beck is our director. He would gladly listen to anyone that wanted to get involved in supporting what we're doing. I'll post it. We really it. do feel like we're building the leaders of tomorrow. That's really what we're about. We love playing in the ABL. We love uh, being in Chugiak, Eagle River. But more importantly, these young men are going to be husbands, fathers, and uh, leaders in our community very quickly after they play for the Chinook. So, any investment in that is an investment in eternity. So we really appreciate it's a uh, big deal. asking that. And anyone that would yeah. do that would be very welcome to do I'll it. post the link on my show. I'll get it from Bill. John Groth, I can't wait to get you back. What a delight. Bill said you'd be a great interview. Thank you, my friend. Okay, thank you. You betcha. Tom Anderson Show coming right back. This is the Tom Anderson Show, broadcasting live from the KVNT studios in South Central Alaska, USA. Live and local, 7 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday, right here on KVNT, 1020 a.m. and 92.5 FM. Your best source for morning news, traffic, and weather. Streaming live online at TomAndersonShow.com. Phone lines are open. Dial 907-357-5868. That's 357-5868. Politics and news from a guy who's made it happen. Your morning drive just got a whole lot better. Good morning, America. Here's Tom Anderson. Well, good morning, everybody. Second hour of the program. Happy to have you with us on a Thursday morn. And it was nice to hear from John Groth from the Chinooks. And what a testament to not just faith-based, not just patriotic, not just determined parents and management and nonprofit supporters, but the inherent belief that America and community and working with families and baseball and team communal efforts like baseball in Alaska matters is such, as I mentioned with John, an endearment. It really is. It makes me so happy. And it flatters me. And as, a, as an Alaskan, it flatters me that, that so many people want to come up here and play. Uh, just like with the Great Alaska Shootout, I miss that. Every year I missed the Great Alaska Shootout. It was such a killer event. And along with Hawaii, because everybody wanted to get their sun on and their ocean on, Alaska was the primary spot. Just ask ESPN with their mega million dollar coverage and the sponsorships therewith. And the fact that the Sullivan Arena was sold out. I remember, I remember 
I remember, and I know a lot of you remember and enjoy memory lane, going to the Sullivan, watching the shootout. How many of us, raise your hand, have seen all stars at the Great Alaska Shootout? It's the same with baseball. Baseball may be a little bit longer. There may not be as much bling, but there's as much or better food. There's as much or better camaraderie in the stands. There's great swag. What I encourage you to do is to sponsor the Chinooks, to sponsor these teams. Chinooks is near and dear to my heart, thanks to Bill Stoltz, and thanks to the fact that they are newer and need more help. At the end of the day, you can step up and you can donate. And yeah, 50 bucks or 100 bucks goes away, but the real distance comes from a large sponsorship donation. I know that Matanuska Electra has, has done so, and there's been others. I should call Capstone to see. That would help with their Eagle River Clinic to remind people that Capstone Clinic is in Eagle River, Anchorage, Fairbanks, Dillingham, Kenai Peninsula, Wasilla, Palmer. I mean, geez, that's huge. Then you've got Pip Alaska. If I haven't talked about Pip Alaska today, I will right now. PipAlaska.com. You've got print. You've got mailers. You've got conference, convention, swag, indoor, outdoor decor. You've got the wraps, the decals. Just got an email talking about the fact that if you need something decaled, about two years ago, I was going to get some coffee from Alaska Coffee Roastery. Now it's Alaska Artisanal Coffee in Palmer, and we're going to purchase a bunch of bags. I still may do that this year for our clients. And you know what I would do? I would buy those stickers, get them printed to Pip Alaska, and then I would have them maybe maybe designed by my firm at Optima. But you know what? They look awesome. Then you slap those stickers on, you give them away as gifts, as freebies, as as paid for by, as whatever, as a Christmas gift. That's how you do it. So that's what I'm talking about, Willis. Fun stuff. Yeah, Alaska sports. And we have runners that are famous and skiers. We have, I think of the Tommy Moe's, the gold medalist, and the Keegan Randall's, and there's so many. There's too many to mention. I have not seen any like in the gymnastics world. Hey, remember remember Tanaka? I was about to say, or not in the martial arts world. He was a big deal. How many times was he on Black Belt Magazine? I remember in the 70s and 80s, Mr. Tanaka, and there were kids at Bartlett and, and Clark that, that went through his class and are now, no doubt, Black Belts and teachers. Across the board, Alaska, you know, and of course, in basketball, Carlos Boozer, the most famous, but Trajan Langdon, he was out there, and others, you know, and others. Who was the one? There was another one that that is a big deal. Not is Alonzo Mourning from here? No, maybe. I can't remember. I can't remember who played. Did, did, is Alonzo Mourning from Alaska? Uh, I don't think so. There was Carlos Boozer, Boozer and Trajan Juno, Langdon. Trajan those two. Langdon. And who was and... the other big name? There was one other one that's a big name that's in the system. Uh, it may. It might. might yeah, not... I don't remember. Yeah, I can't remember. But I do know that it brings us all pride when our women and men and youngsters zoom off and do well. Academic, too. Nobody talks about that. You notice that? We just talk about sports. That's so funny. (laughs) Just about sports. Oh, Lord. 
Alaska. I should start doing a narrative on how great Alaska is. You know where we really shine? Do, 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 do. Dog mushers. How about ski joring? Just kidding. Somebody told me about ski joring. I'm like, what the hell's that? How about, is it kite? My, my buddy Ken Erickson does that. Kite. Kite something where you're out in the water. Kite boarding. I think that's what it's called. What about this? Jimmy Patton. We are talking about Thursday at the fights. Anybody that goes there knows the great Jim Patton. He is the boxing guru and pioneer of Alaska, truly. And Jim Patton put Alaska on the map. Remember Cody Cook, who sadly got killed where it was at Michigan in a bar fight. Gosh, that was sad. He he was tough man competition winner nationally, just like Mr. T was. Cody Cook could have been the type that like fought Mike Tyson and and did well. And if you recall, he was killed much too young. And Michelle Samansky, yep. Uh, my, uh, Colin Zemanski's daughter from Mantech and Mike Zemanski, former U.S. Uh, or state senator, married to Drew Pierce at one time. Uh, Stephanie, all of them are my friend. Shalon works over at Ambler now, medals. Michelle, the, the older sister of that family, that was Cody Cook's wife. And I'll never forget that. But he did well. And the other one is the, the other one is the uh, what was I going to say here? There's just so many different angles to where where we have been put on the map of how good we are. And I was thinking, oh, with Jim Patton, I'm sorry, uh, because we just got a wave runner at the house, a nice one. Uh, the the ocean wave runners, that would be cool. I don't know if there's a sport to that end, but it's pretty cool. Listen, we're going to go to a break, and we're going to come right back, and we're just so glad that you are with us. And I think Tom will play some music, some tunes, so we can let you know we're going... There it is. Everybody wants to rule the world. Everybody wants to have Wi-Fi so you can hear the show. <laughs> Little tears for fears. Hey, keep listening. Tom Anderson Show. This is the Tom Anderson Show. Broadcasting live from the KVNT studios. 7 to 9 a.m. Monday through Friday. 19 minutes after the hour. Good morning, everybody. Tom Anderson show on a Thursday. And if you're listening to the podcast, we're so appreciative. You can look at the links of everything we talked about. I'll make sure we interviewed John from the Chinooks that there is a description on how you can get in contact with them, how you can get tickets, how you can just go and grab your seats. And maybe you want to sponsor whatever you want to do. We're just so appreciative of the fact that people support and listen and like and get involved. I look at all the nonprofits out there, and it's a fascinating construct of not only mentally what we decide to do and when. Do we go to church? Do we donate? How much do you donate? Do you go by the biblical standards of donation? Do you help someone at your school for your kids? Do you donate? Are your kids involved with Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts, Brownies, Girl Scouts, Campfires? You name it. Are they involved in a sport? Is there a sports fee? Is there equipment? What do you need for all of that? It all adds up. And in cost, in time, in commitment, and thank God people help. Thank God. I mentioned Bill Stoltz. Guys like him who are at the you know the senior center board or at the volunteer fire department board or attending a legislative committee post being and serving as a lawmaker and active, and donating, and supporting through endorsements, and getting involved with campaigns, and probably active in his neighborhood, and probably active in community council, and that's one example, and there are many, 
Bill Stoltz is out there that are the unsung heroes. You know what unsung means? Nobody brought them up in song, glorifying them, but they're there and they're they're dedicated. And that's such a big deal. It's such a big deal. And it really keeps the engine of and the momentum of a good society in flow. And that's why I often want to praise and bring on nonprofits, executive directors, the volunteers, the folks that have to fundraise. You want to talk about a job that sucks, maybe not to them, but to me, is fundraising. Can you please give? Can you please give? Can you please give? How'd you like to ask ask that every single day? And I'm not choking up. I'm about to cough. And there we go. I love the panic button. (laughs) When I don't take a breath, that's what happens. Okay, so... If you look at all of the charities out there, whether you look at the United Way umbrella or or you go to Foraker Group, you see all these different nonprofits. You know a great place to look at the collective of nonprofits? Drum roll, please. Pick, click, give. And that's where you see it. And that's where you find it out. And so then you give and you decide and just keep it up. You know, even if you pick one, even if you have a treasured one nonprofit, you know, then it spreads out to occupational connectors. You're like, what does that mean? What that means is like trade associations, right? We've worked with home builders, hotel, restaurant, retailers association, the chars and the, and the hospitality trade associations. What else out there? There is the nurses. There are dentists, hygienists, doctors, all those things. What else out there is there? There are the car dealers of America. There are the manufacturers of America. What about an oil and gas? There's the Resource Development Council, the Trucking Council, the Shadow Oil Spill Cooperative. Shadow's the bigger, Alaska Shadow Network. There is the, the Resource Development Council, AOGA. I mean, there are so many. There are some that I think should be ended, like Anchorage Economic Development Corporation. If Pop ever listens to my show, he would know that I'm not a fan of AEDC and the Arders. I think that they should be uh, never given government money, and they really shouldn't be given. I mean, I guess if you're a corporation, I want to give to them for a survey or a luncheon, fine. But I think that corporate monies could be given to the food kitchen or to help get the homeless off the streets and into occupational jobs and and work, workforce development. Although yesterday, or no, two couple days ago, I was driving in Anchorage and we were coming back out to the valley and I was with my son and my wife and we look out and there's a native gal and she's literally asleep on the side, right in front of the, the BP annex, right by a, a bus, uh, uh, you know, bench. And it's like, really? Oh boy. Pretty sad to see that, you know, right out in Midtown. I can't believe it. So. And we do have a caller, 357-5868, 357-5868. And we have a caller on right now. You want to bring him on? What's your name, sir? Or ma'am? Welcome to the yep, program. Hello. Hey, yeah, there, there we go. Is. Hi, how can we help you? Welcome to the program. Yeah, I've never been on your show there, Tom. Um I'm a uh, Alaska resident since 1965. I uh, first came to Alaska uh, uh, way back when, and uh, actually went to a grade school, which is uh, was the basement of uh, the borough building uh, there in Palmer. Wow! So I, I'm a law 
longtime Alaskan. My dad was a pioneer homesteader on the Cashwitna River before the Parks Highway was built. In fact, he was a assembly member at one time in planning and zoning with the Matsu Borough. And, uh, and then he went on to be the public works director in the uh, early 80s under Charlie Bumpus uh, when there was a pretty good expansion into the you know, city of Wasilla. Absolutely. So, uh, Tom, I, you know, I, this is the first I've known of your show. I think that uh, many people that are in the Valley may know me. Um, I quite often write something, and I think there's a, a small paper from a guy out there by the Butte that I wrote something about the Permanent Fund uh, last fall, and he actually put on. Well, I would I love for you to start calling in. We're, we're on 7 to 9 a.m. Monday through Friday. This is our 10th year. And, I mean, if you're a social media guy, we're almost at 14,000 likes on our Facebook page. We have a YouTube channel. We have a podcast. I've had everybody on from Ted Nugent to Sarah Palin to Ted Cruz to Michael Knowles to Dinesh D'Souza. A very different than a Fagan or a Picaro where they're more complete local. And so we would love to have you call in intermittently and sprinkle on a local and, and a historical perspective. I was born here in 67, grew up in Anchorage and then moved out here 10 years ago. But dad was former head of the state troopers, probably knew your dad because in the eighties, my dad was head of the troopers for the state director. So I bet you your dad and my dad worked together at some point or another, or at least cross paths. But those types of connectors, pioneers like you and your family are part and part to our show's content? Well, I would hope so, because uh, I may have a difference of opinion on some issues, particularly uh, what's going on in our capital now um, and what's going on with regards to our resource development, the permanent fund, and our courts. And uh, uh, I can tell you this, uh, what sparked my interest was this guy called into Dan's show and said that, uh, and I don't want to insult you, Tom, but he seemed to think that you are sort of the established Republican, and you portray uh, the issues of the established Republicans. Now, now I've been a for most of my life a very conservative. Okay, and in fact, uh, in 2004 I ran for office against Paul Seaton, but I didn't run as a Republican or a Democrat. Well, I wish you would have won. <laughs> Paul Seaton and I were colleagues in the legislature. I'm a former lawmaker, and he came in as a Republican, and God bless him, a seafaring, thoughtful guy, but not a Republican. You're absolutely correct. And we have a whole bunch more of those rhino Republicans down there in Juneau right now, much of which are, are defying the law sure, and, uh, and defying their oaths of office. And I've been very upset about it because I am second generation prior to statehood. Dad's already passed away. But I, at, before I even became 65, I was a great grandfather. Now five generations. Wow. I love my state. I love the Matt Valley. I love all of Alaska. And I supported this governor. And I'm not happy with him. And I'm particularly not happy with the fact that he wants a constitutional amendment to endow government with money. Well, listen, my friend, we're running out of time on this segment. Keep listening. Tom Anderson Show, 1020 a.m. and TomAndersonShow.com online. And we will get you back for sure. And we'll talk more about this. And we'll talk about what I do. You may not know my, my background, but it'll be fun to dialogue, my friend. Thank you for calling in. Oh, thank you, Tom, for having me, and I will. After uh, the morning show, I'll probably, with Dan, I'll probably skip over and 
hour. Sounds good, my friend. Yep, the last half hour. Sounds good. Coming right back, Tom Anderson's show on a Thursday. Good morning. <laughs> 